This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. As a community, let us stand together now for the call to worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his people. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. For the Lord is good. His faithfulness continues. Let us unite our hearts together and raise our voices singing, Come Christians, join to sing. May be seated. Greetings and welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to all those of you who are present and those of you who are joining us online this morning. As we gather on um, this day, this Memorial Day weekend, um, we are grateful for the Lord's great provisions and blessings in our lives that gives us, provides us the freedom to gather together. Um, Mary Van Denen's if memorial service, um, which took place this past Friday, is available online on the Celebration YouTube channel if you weren't able to attend and would like to view it. I will um, encourage you to do so. Um, Pastor Mary's reflection um, during that service was extraordinarily good. And um, I, would, I would invite you to, um, um, to 
to watch the service and to, to ponder and to reflect on what she had to say um, during um, that very moving presentation. Today afterwards, um, there'll be no coffee or fellowship in the library. Coffee and fellowship will be available in the library. Sorry, got that wrong. And, um, but there'll be no follow-up conversation with Pastor Bill um, Q&A. Pastor Bill this morning is preaching in Watershed, um, which we are grateful that he's able to fill in for Aaron over there. And Pastor Mary um, will be with us this morning and she'll be bringing um, the message from God's Word. A couple of announcements. Um, there is a backpacking trip, um, family backpacking trip, um, taking place later on um, in June. If you wish to spend a week with me, I know that sounds like an awesome opportunity. Um, if you'd like to spend a week with me um, hiking the Appalachian Trail um, from Allen Gap in North Carolina up towards Roan Mountain, you are more than welcome to join me and um, I'd be happy to have you. It'll be a small um, informal trip. So, um, and I know everyone here is waiting to sign up. Um, and even if you move, we'll do 12 miles, 13 miles is the worst day. So um, if you want to meander through the mountains of North Carolina, um, see me. Um, also, there's an online Connect card, and um, the information is there. You can text um, the word Connect to 616-202-1210, and it will send you the electronic form. Again, it's really, really good to see you all this morning, and welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's um, profess our faith um, from the Heidelberg Catechism. Why do you say that through faith alone you are righteous? Amen. Let us now stand together and sing, Spirit of God who dwells within my heart. Number 16.
I was going to tell you, you may be seated, but you did a good job. You did a good job. Oh, what a joy to be here. Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? From Proverbs. See, the winter is past. The rains, they're over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land, and the fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Almighty God, our God of angel armies, as the mountains, they stand in your strength, and as the rivers roar out your praise, and as a gentle rain refreshes, we know that we, your children, are the pride and the joy of all of your creation. Your kingdom comes. It comes for us, it comes in us, and it comes through us. And today we find ourselves giving thanks for the changing of the seasons. It seems like we have waited a long time. The exploding of the colors of your creation that surround us, all gifts from you for us to enjoy. And dear Father, we also know that spring and summer, that's a metaphor for change. Some changes we eagerly await and some we find ourselves very anxious about. Some changes we plan while others arrive quite uninvited to all these changes. We ask that we see them through your eyes, seeking your strength and your courage to help us live with faith, expectation, and hope, no matter what the circumstances. May the sunlight, the rain, the warmer temperatures be reminders that you are at work renewing the earth. And as a God of renewal, you are at work in our lives too. God, our Father, giver of life, we entrust the United States of America to your loving care. You are the rock on which this nation was founded. Reclaim this land for your glory and dwell among your people. Send your spirit to touch the hearts of our nation's leaders. Open their minds to the great worth of human life and the responsibilities that accompany human freedom. Remind your people that true happiness is rooted in seeking and in doing your will. We thank you for the brave men and women who have fought and continue to fight so courageously for our nation. We ask for your covering and blessing over them and their families. We pray that you would be gracious and encircle them with your peace. We pray for your great favor and goodness to be evident in their lives. Dear God, we thank you for the freedom that you have given us, for the peace, for the price that was paid by, the, by Christ so that we could live freely. We gratefully remember today the cost of it all, the great sacrifice of freedom. And to Lord, we lay our family before you, praying your presence be felt in their lives every moment of every day. Many are hurting, Lord. Comfort those in the midst of struggle, in the midst of treatments, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of loss and mourning. We especially think about Hill and John and Michelle and Sarah and Josh. 
that all may feel the gentle yet secure touch of their master's hand. In confidence and boldness, we release these prayers to you as we echo together the prayer that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So, does the world seem a little bit upside down to you today? What a week this has been. Never did I realize when I was contemplating this message, with many of us already feeling our world seems upside down, did I imagine the week that we just went through? Once again, we felt our humanity fragmented from worldwide events to yet another school shooting, and even in our own community right here, suddenly saying goodbye to our dear friend and sister in Christ, Mary Vendenen. Then this weekend, coupled with that, we too embrace tender memories as we reflect on the countless men and women who have served in our armed forces, many of whom have given the ultimate sacrifice, their lives, to guard our freedoms. And yet, as I thought about all these feelings, I thought about them a lot this week. I personally can say that I am so thankful to be here today. I think Bill would have given me a pass. It was a tough week, but I said, oh no, oh no. I want to be with my people. I want to be with my family. I want to be in this place. I want to be with fellow followers of Jesus, hanging on to each other, praying and even rejoicing in the midst of truly difficult circumstances. Clinging once again to the security that we have because of our cemented faith that is anchored in the foundation of Jesus Christ. This day, May 29, 2022, we worship freely without fear, and we must never take that for granted. Nikki Gumbo, the founder of Alpha Ministries, shares a story about a conversation he once had with Father Reniero Catalamesa. He was a Franciscan monk and now a cardinal and a preacher to the papal household since 1980. He was about to be involved in a public debate with a member of a group. Um, it was, the group was called the New Atheist, and they were located in Italy. He asked him whether he thought he would win the debate. He replied that he did not know. He said he might lose. But he added, the Lord can be glorified in defeat. Jesus turned the world upside down. It was said of his followers that they too were turning the world upside down in Acts 17, verse 6. In today's scripture, we will see how this works and how the Lord can be glorified in defeat. We will once again hear from Paul, as well as several other messengers who boldly and unapologetically proclaimed the gospel, not for fame, 
not for fortune, but rather their ultimate purpose was to glorify God, even when it meant encountering what some would perceive as defeat. Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being thankful and watchful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort for me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hyperopolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Artipas, see to it that you receive the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we're going to talk about top six tips as God's messengers, how they did it and how we can do it today. Tip number one, stay close to God and give thanks. Verse two says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We can feel things are falling apart when we are experiencing one of these three things. The first is conflict in the form of a fight, a battle, a controversy, a struggle, or a quarrel. Another one is crisis, when a dramatic emotional or circumstantial upheaval occurs in our life. And then there's chaos, the state of utter confusion or disorder in our life or in the world around us. I think we can all relate to that. Paul encountered all of these, and he was not ashamed to ask his friends to pray for him. Even though he was an apostle, he needed prayer support for himself and his ministry. If a powerful and devoted servant like Paul felt the need for prayer support, how much more do you and I need this kind of support as well? This past Friday was one of the most delicate days that I've been through in quite some time as I officiated the service for Mary. On my own, I fell apart all week long. But on Friday, 
God took over. God took over. And I believe it is because I enlisted five of my most faithful and devoted prayer warriors. I knew without a doubt that they not only prayed for me throughout the week, but they also stopped what they were doing on Friday afternoon and they bathed me in prayer. And the Holy Spirit did as only he can do. If you were here, you knew how this sanctuary exploded with abounding praise to God. It gave us a glimpse into God's heavenly choir, what it will be like. What a joy and a privilege to bring glory to him in what to so many would think this was definitely a situation of defeat. I think otherwise. Paul describes the characteristics of a satisfying and a spiritual prayer life. Our praying must be faithful. Too many of us only pray occasionally, but it should be like breathing. It should be something we naturally do as we walk through our day. Our praying must be watchful. Real praying demands spiritual energy and alertness. It is not dull. It is not listless. Don't be afraid to be bold and specific. Our prayers must be purposeful. Too often our prayers are vague and they're general, like we say, I'm going to pray for our missionaries, which is all good. But what about if I prayed specifically for some of their needs? Prayer is not telling God what to do or what to give. Prayer is asking God for that which he wants to do and give according to his will. I remember one Sunday at Watershed several years back after praying for some specific concerns, after the service, someone came up to me, put their arms around me and said, may the desires of our hearts match the will of God. That stuck with me. It's so beautiful. It's so spot on. And then we give thanks. I live out in Vriesland now. I used to be over here, and now I'm way over there. I live out in the farmland, and what a joy it's been to see the farmers out plowing their fields, tractors everywhere. They are so busy. And in particular, I really enjoy going past this one farm that has two alpacas who are often out in their pasture. They look at, like they're at so much peace, so content, as they graze, laying in the grass every now and then, poking their heads to just see if everything is okay in the world. They take a gander, and it looks like they don't have a care in the world. I stop and look at them, and I wonder if they could speak. No, I don't go up to them and ask them to talk, but if they could speak, would they mention how thankful they are for their surroundings, for a peace and a provision and for the love and care that they receive from their creator. Creation shouts God. Sincere gratitude to God or creator is one of the best ways to put enthusiasm into your prayer. I would challenge you this week as you go through the week, go through the ABCs, take maybe four letters a day and give it a name and write it down and include that in your prayer. For instance, last Monday, I think my letter was B, and I put down bird bath because I had just put my bird bath outside. And all this week, sure enough, there's little finches that come to the bird bath, and I say, thank you. Thank you for my letter B for my bird bath. Second tip, make the most of every opportunity. Verse 5 says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. At times in our lives, we are distracted by the if-onlys. 
If only I had the right job. If only I made more money. If only I didn't make that dumb mistake. If only I would have gone to the doctor sooner. If only I would have paid more attention to my kids. If only I would have listened more to my, the advice of my parents. You fill in the blanks. But God used Paul in spite of his circumstances, in spite of his if-onlys, and even because of them. We cannot all be successful, but we can do our best in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Here's a true story of a little girl who saw a chance to serve God and then seized the opportunity. Hattie Mae Wyatt, a six-year-old girl, lived near Grace Baptist Church in Philadelphia. The Sunday school was very crowded. Russell Conwell, the minister, told her that one day they would have buildings big enough to allow everyone to attend. And she said, I hope you will. It is so crowded and sometimes I'm afraid to go there by myself. And he replied, when we get the money, we will construct one large enough so that all the children can get in. Two years later, in 1886, Hattie Mae died. After the funeral, Hattie's mother gave the minister a little bag that he found under the girl's pillow containing 57 cents in change that she had saved up. Alongside it was a note in her handwriting to help build bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. The minister changed all the money into pennies and offered each one for sale, and he received $250 for that change. The $250 was itself changed into pennies and sold by a newly formed Wyatt Might Society. In this way, her 57 cents kept on growing. 26 years later, in a talk entitled The History of 57 Cents, the minister explained the results of her 57-cent donation, a church with a membership of over 5,600 people, a hospital where tens of thousands of people had been treated, 80,000 young people going to a university, and 2,000 people being sent out to serve. As Christians, while walking wisely and talking wisely, we have a responsibility to witness to the lost around us, inviting them into God's family, however and wherever opportunities present themselves. We do not have to be an ordained minister. We don't have to be a missionary. We only need to adhere to what I call spiritual nudgings. Don't be afraid to be spontaneous. So often we need to analyze every situation. We need to see if it's going to make sense. But I'm here to tell you, it is truly much more of a great adventure when you are not afraid to take chances for the Lord. Tip number three, forgive others. Verse 10 says, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. When Paul and Barnabas set out on their first missionary journey, they took John Mark with them as their assistant. He probably took care of the travel arrangements, maybe got the food and the supplies and so forth. But when the going got tough, Mark abandoned the preachers and he returned to Jerusalem. We're really not sure what happened, why he quit. Maybe he was afraid of going through dangerous territory. Maybe he questions his own abilities. Maybe he resented Paul's leadership. We're not really sure. But later, they contemplated their second journey, and Paul initially refused to take Mark with them. He had caused division between Paul and Barnabas, and he just didn't want to take another chance on Mark. Eventually, Paul did forgive Mark. 
2 Timothy 4.11 says, Bring Mark along, for he is profitable for me in this ministry. Paul forgives. Mark is an encouragement to everyone who has failed in their first attempts to serve God, or even multiple attempts thereafter. We all fail all the time. But Mark did not sit around and sulk, and nor did Paul dwell on the fractured relationship. Being reconciled, Mark got back into ministry and proved himself faithful to the Lord and to Paul. What appears to be a defeat rather gave us the gospel according to Mark. Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. When we forgive others, there is a freedom where we are no longer shackled by our own anger. It moves us from selfish illusions to a beautiful reality. It is hard work, but letting go often opens up the doors for God to ward off resentment that might seep in. Each time we forgive, it paves a way for the next time that we need to forgive. Practicing with courage and patience and letting God into the process of forgiveness becomes like exercising a muscle. It does grow stronger and stronger. And if we don't forgive, we invite defeat. But when we forgive, we free ourselves from anger's grip on us and can instead feel God's peace and his love, and we can then move forward. Tip number four, share each other's burdens. Verse 11, there are only Jews among, these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Paul did not spell out the details of his personal situation in this letter. He left it to his two spiritual brothers, Tychicus and Onesimus, to share the burdens with the church. These two men had a dual ministry to perform, to encourage the Colossian Christians and to inform them about Paul's situation. Is it wrong for God's people to share information this way? Of course not. Paul was not begging for money, nor was he asking for sympathy. He wanted the saints to know the situation so they could pray for him. This is a beautiful example of how we can share our needs and our burdens with others, and then they can encourage and assist us. This is when prayer becomes the wind beneath our wings. Back in 2007, 12 people from Hardaway took a trip to the Dominican Republic, one of the many trips that we took there. And not everybody's on that picture, but there were 12 of us total. And our purpose was to build a duplex in one of the batets that we often served at. And, um, and we got there, and we went there the first day. It was a Monday, and we started work. We got through that day. And after Monday, everything started to crash and burn. I was the first one to go down. And then it was Tim Van Campen, Steve Ponzi, John Faber, Dirk Blumendahl. We were dropping like flies. Very, very sick. In fact, I needed medical attention. What looked like a trip that was already headed for defeat, it left six people with a task to complete the mission of building the duplex. And we prayed like you never can believe it. We prayed like crazy. 
The rest of the team, the ones that were left standing, they went out and they faithfully went to that pate. And at the end of the week, we all came home together and the job got done. We enlisted people to pray for us. We prayed together so wholeheartedly as a team and the mission was completed, not defeated. God was glorified. How encouraging it is to have other Christians at your side when things are spiraling down around you. Just ask the Vendenin family. Tip number five, hit your wagon to a star. Epaphras, who is with you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hyperopolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send their greetings. Paul depended on so many people as he desperately sought to win this lost souls for Christ. He needed others. He looked up to others. He acknowledged their gifts and their passions, and he never elevated himself above anyone else. He was learning and ever maturing right along with the rest of them. Nikki Gumbel, the founder of Alpha Ministries, shared this. Hitch your wagon to a star was the best piece of advice I was given when I was looking for a place to train as a pastor. Jesus says the student is not above the teacher, but whoever is fully trained will be like their teacher. He goes on to say, as I looked at Sandy Miller, I knew that he was the star that I wanted to be like. Therefore, I wanted to train under him because even though I felt I would never equal his abilities, equal his wisdom and his gifting as a teacher, I at least knew what I was aiming for. That is why I often read stories about Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and Corey Tenboom, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, and many others. Their examples enrich us and inspire us to aim higher. As I read about that, personally, I too thought of those in my own life who I aspire to, to those who have encouraged me along my spiritual journey, and there are so many. People like Pat Elzinga, who 40 years ago saw something invite, about me and invited me to get more involved in children's ministry. My fourth grade teacher, Donna Heckman, who believed in me and she inspired me to keep writing poetry. Pastor Trent Walker, who coerced me, almost forced me to go on my very first overseas mission trip. I didn't want to go. You can do this, Mayor. You can do this. It changed my life forever. And Virgil Gawker, founder of Kids Hope, who taught me so much about compassion and hope in Jesus and how to share this good news with vulnerable kids right here in our own neighborhood, in our local schools and beyond. And each one of these people pointed me to Jesus. I'm sure you all have your own stories, someone that you hitched your wagon to. But of course, we all know that the only true star is Jesus. Who points you to Jesus? Let us always strive to hitch our wagon onto him, and in doing so, the good news of the gospel will naturally flow out from us and fall on those whom God puts in our path. Tip number six, complete your mission. 
verses 16 through 18. After this letter has been read to you, see to it that is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this letter in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul's last words before his salutation are directed as an encouragement to continue faithfully in ministry. Were some of his fellow Christians becoming discouraged? I'm thinking quite probably they were. Tensions and problems were on the rise. Paul was in chains for goodness sakes, and things didn't look all that good. But together they embodied the verse from verse 17. I love how the message version puts it. Do your best in the job you receive from the master. Do your very best. Similarly, in today's world, pastors of our local churches, they face many problems and challenges. They carry many burdens, and they often need a word of encouragement. And like them, ministry is not something we do for God, but it is something that God does in and through us as they, and as well as us, fulfill our calling. It is because we have been filled full through Jesus. Here is a man who lived this mission to completion. Billy Graham died on February 21, 2018, at the age of 99. As a messenger of God, he had planned his own funeral very carefully to be a call for people to put their faith in Jesus. He said beforehand, someday you will read or you will hear that Billy Graham has died, that he's dead, but don't believe a word of it. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have just changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of the Lord. In 1934, at the age of 16, he'd heard God's call and he became a faithful messenger of the gospel. He spoke about Jesus to over 210 million people in person and to almost half the population around the world on TV and radio. He was determined to make the most of every single opportunity, including his own funeral, to pass on God's message to the world. Our task, too, is to both hear like we are doing here this morning and then to declare it within our circle of family and friends as well as those random opportunities that God will put in our path because he does. God's remnant. Romans 9:27. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand in the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. Though it may seem to be a fairly rare subject, the idea of a remnant is found 540 times in the Bible. These are the stories of those who faithfully carry on the message of God. These steadfast believers are also known as what is left, what remains, the survivors, the escapees, or the rest. This passage is about a band of brothers, a remnant who remained convicted and true to sharing the gospel. This crew did their very best despite setbacks, discouragement, and even what appeared to be defeat. Through their commitment and Paul's persistence, Paul was able to witness to those he would not have had access to should he have been 
remaining a free man. And like them, all of us here are a part of that remnant, a remnant that believes the gospel message. Is it defeat or is it complete? Supremely on the cross, Jesus turned the world upside down. He reversed the values of the world. He is the dominant example of God bringing success out of apparent failure. He is the stone that the builders rejected, which has now become the cornerstone of the church in an act of ultimate humiliation and apparent defeat. He brought the greatest victory the world has ever known. And as we come to the close of our series on Colossians, we must remind ourselves that we, too, are complete in Jesus. It is finished, and it's complete. We believe John 3.16, which I paraphrase like this, God loves, God gives. I believe, and I live. God loves, God gives. You believe, and you live. Paul ends this letter. Remember, I am still in prison and in chains. Yet the Lord was glorified in his apparent defeat. God turned Paul's position upside down. And almost 2,000 years later, you and I are still reading the words that Paul wrote in prison. The gospel that continues to change the world and will do so until the Lord comes again. God has perfectly equipped us for the life that he wants us to live, one that glorifies him in and through all circumstances. Amen. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, you continue to bring success out of apparent defeat. If we only stop to take notice, we see your love and your grace at work all around us all the time. Thank you that we can trust in you even when circumstances seem to be against us. And Jesus, though we often feel overwhelmed, we put our trust and our confidence in you today, taking one day at a time. Help us to cling to the truth that yes, you do have the whole world in your hands. Amen, amen.
I read the benediction that we shared at Mary's service. It was one of her favorites. It's from Thessalonians 2, verses 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, our God and our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and in every good word. And God's people said amen. Go in peace. Have a beautiful day. Amen. Thank you.